Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Hello again. (laughs) Um, I want to thank God for you because, and I speak for George as well, we are so blessed by you as a church. Um, When we get our schedule together of where we're going to speak, we always make a priority to get in touch with Brighton Road Baptist Church. Come and see you all and thank you. Um, But you really do honour us, give us time to speak and um, time to share about the project. That's so special to us. Um, We know that you pray. Many of you give to us monthly and then Graham writes to us and says, we're sending you an offering and how can we pray? And That's such a blessing. I can't tell you. When you're out on the mission field and doing it there, just to know that People like you back home are are faithfully praying and supporting. That makes all the difference. So thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I just want to say thank you to John and Rachel for being here today. We met John and Rachel in Sao Paulo uh, many years ago now. And they've supported us and prayed for us ever since. And they're like our roadies. They always come to listen to us speak when we're here. So (laughs) bless you. I'm really glad that you're here today. John 12, that story is amazing, isn't it, about Mary, what she did in, in anointing Jesus in that way. It was such an act of love and such a, an act of thankfulness, I suppose. She was so grateful to Jesus for raising Lazarus from the dead. And, and she, she poured it all out, didn't she? All that she had, it was so much. It was perfume worth more than a year's wages was a lot of value in that little jar of perfume. Mark says she broke the jar. She didn't just literally just drip it a little bit at a time, drip, drip, drip. Oh, I'll give Jesus a little bit of my my perfume, a little bit of my thankfulness, drip, drip. No, she put, was that my necklace making that noise? I'll take it off. Oops, don't want that the whole way through it, do we? Now, this could be interesting. Look, I'm tangled now, so it's okay. I'm not very techy, but... Yes. (laughs) She, She poured it all out. She poured out all that she had. Such an act of love. Yeah, she didn't keep anything back for herself, did she? She wanted to show that expression of love to Jesus. So powerful. 
I remember when I became a Christian, some of you know my testimony, have heard me speak before. Um, I came, became a Christian through a, a tragedy in my life. I um, was married to a man uh, living in Kent in England, and um, after just four months of marriage, discovered that he was in a relationship with another man, um, and had been for five years. So the whole time that we had been together and everything, he was cheating on me. And my whole life from one day to the next fell apart. And I was just a big mess. And I was smoking and drinking and just trying to find ways to kill myself. And I went along to a church in Kent and I saw people worshipping. Um, some of them had their eyes shut and some of them even had their hands up. But they were, it was like they were singing as if they really knew Jesus. And I thought, I need this. Whatever this is that they've got, I need it. And I need it now. And I gave my life to Jesus. But that day I said to God, I, I really believe you're real, God. I really believe it. And so if you are, then you really deserve my 100%. You know, I don't want to just be a, a churchgoer who goes to church on Sunday and then Monday morning, nothing different. I want to be... for you and I think that's why I love that story about Mary so much because I really identify with that breaking the jar you know that's what I wanted to do with my life was just say God you can have me you can do what you want with me and I went to India three times I went to Bosnia I went to Estonia all on mission and then in 1994 God God very clearly called me um, to Brazil and just to fill you in a little bit on the project. You saw the video. Um, we are uh, seeing God's faithfulness in many ways. We're um, growing as a project, slowly but surely. Um, the psychodrama therapy workshops, we're so excited because it, it really does work. It really helps the boys to think in a different way and to behave in a different way. I'm doing a post-grad in psychodrama therapy. I'm just finishing the end of the course now will have been two years. I have to write my thesis in Portuguese, so <laughs> you've got some fridge magnets on your seats. If you could put us on your fridge and throw up a few prayers now and then for my thesis, please. Because <laughs> it's hard enough work writing one in English, but in Portuguese, that's a real challenge. Um, but we really are excited about the way that this psychodrama therapy really, really works. And George does a fantastic job with the boys individually, sits with them and counsels them and evangelizes them, talks to them all about Jesus and prays with them and really makes that link because so many of them haven't had a father. Um, I mean, they obviously had to have a father to be born, but they've never met him and don't know where he is. Or One of our boys in the group at the moment, Fernando, his mum was pregnant with him when his father was murdered, t- shot 22 times. And so... She had the baby and he didn't even get to meet his father. So these boys are, are such, um, so needy in so many ways. And George makes a real, very special link with them as a father figure and a friend. And when they leave the youth prison, that is so important and so valuable because that, that link continues. We're quite unusual in many ways as a project because we do the whole package. We don't just do the boy in the youth prison. We do the, you know, we visit the family and, um, that is, um, 
so so powerful because that is a, an open door into the community. And when you go into a slum and visit a family and you say, oh, could we pray with you? And they say, well, let me go and get my neighbor. And the neighbors come in and then the young, young guys all lying around on the bed, they stand up, take their caps off and everyone stands around and, and prays and people give their life to Jesus. I'll never forget a while ago, I, I went to visit a lady that I'd always visited and I suddenly thought, Gosh, I don't know if I've ever asked her if she's given her life to Jesus. So I said to her, Maria Jose, have you ever given your life to Jesus? She said, no. I said, would you like to? She said, yes. <laughs> it's that easy. It's harder here, isn't it, in the UK? It takes about nine years on average, they say now. But, you know, it's so amazing. And, and George also does a great work with his volunteers, goes into the, the slums and visits the families and... Um, we see amazing things happening, amazing miracles, many healings. Um, why, why does God heal in a slum? Because these people don't have access to good um, health service and good doctors. And so God comes in and heals. And it's so exciting to see that and be a part of that. Um, I want to just talk to you just for a few minutes about showing God's love. Yeah, Mary, she showed love. In that act of sacrifice and breaking that perfume and giving that perfume. And we can all do that. We don't, we don't have to go to Brazil to be a missionary. We're all missionaries, yeah? What does a missionary mean? It's someone that has a mission, yeah? And I think all of us can have that mission on earth here um, to, to show love, to show kindness, to um, help someone each day um, change their life, yeah? Um, prayer is an act of love, isn't it? When we pray for someone, we commit to praying for someone. So someone says, I'm, I'm not well, and you say, I'm going to pray for you. Um, that, is, that is such an act of love and is so powerful. Um, and it's like a seed, isn't it? When, when you put a seed uh, in the ground, whether it's going to be a carrot or a tree or whatever, nothing. All you can see is soil, can you? You water it and nothing, nothing. It's just like prayer. You pray and nothing, nothing. And then suddenly that seed bears fruit and you see a little shoot comes up and it turns into whatever it it was destined to be, whether it's a vegetable or a tree or a plant or a beautiful flower. But that seed has fruit in it. And prayer is just like that. We pray and nothing happens. And we pray and nothing happens. And we pray and then suddenly something does happen. Yeah. So that is a real act of love that we can do every day. It's an act of love that you do for us as you pray for us in Brazil, it makes a huge difference to our lives. Um, George's mum prayed faithfully for George because he, in his adolescence, really went away from God and got involved in drugs and all bad things. And I know she spent many, many hours on her knees praying for George. And I thank her. I I don't tell jokes about mother-in-laws. She's a great mother-in-law because I know without her, I might not have George. So... I know that those prayers make a difference. And I know, I'm sure, there are people here who are praying for sons and daughters that aren't walking with the Lord and neighbours and colleagues and friends and all those people that are in our lives. And keep praying. Don't give up. Yeah, Keep on doing that act of love, of prayer, because it's so important. Um, often George prays with the boys um, in the individual sessions in the youth prison. And um, he'll go away and the next week he'll come back and the staff will say, what did you do to that boy? And he says, what, what do you mean, what did I do to that boy? He said, he's so different. He's not aggressive anymore. He's being so well-behaved and even thoughtful. <laughs> you know, and George says, I prayed. 
Sometimes George turns up at the youth prison and, and there's a terrible situation and they're going into a riot and the staff say, George, will you come and pray with all the boys in the courtyard? And so he goes into what's really essentially the lion's den and prays with all 50 of them and the riot doesn't happen. The atmosphere changes. Prayer is a, a very powerful tool and a very special way that we can show love. Uh, we have the boy on our, on our um, poster and also in the leaflet, Elias. This one here, beautiful photograph of Elias and Tatiana. Elias was in the youth prison 28 times and the adult prison for seven years. And we met them when they were living on the streets and actually at one point living in a squat. And I, I can't even describe in words whether they were English, Portuguese, Spanish or Japanese. I wouldn't be able to describe in words to you the place that they lived. I mean, it was just so awful. The, in an old abandoned uh, warehouse kind of place and you walked in and you had to kind of balance across planks that were, had all like water and other things on the floor to get to their little room and they were living in one tiny room, them and another couple, and their little baby, Veronica. And uh, I remember we, we tried to help them, but Elias ended up going back to prison. And um, a Catholic community rescued Tatiana and took her off to a different part of San Paolo. Um, but she kept in contact a little bit with us. But they told her not to have any more contact with Elias. Elias was the bad news and basically not to see him anymore. Um, so Elias would phone George from the prison. Yeah, they have mobile phones in the prison. And George would talk to him and he would be so angry. Elias would say, I'm going to kill Tatiana because she won't bring Veronica to see me. and She won't have any contact with me. I'm going to have her murdered. And George would say, Elias, Elias, come, let's pray. <laughs> Just try and not um, uh, escalate the situation. Anyway, eventually when Elias was released... He phoned again and said to George, I really want to see Veronica. And George said, well, Tatiana hasn't rung me for a long time. Let's pray. And so they prayed together on the phone. The week later, Tatiana phoned George. Hi, Uncle George, how are you doing? (laughs) And George said, oh, I'm really glad you phoned because Elias really wants to see Veronica. And she said, no, not possible. And George said, well, you know, he he is her father and um, he has every right to see her. And if you don't allow her, him to, then we'll have to go through the courts, and we don't want to do that. So she said, okay, I'll talk to the people here, and they, she talked to them, and they agreed on a visit. And so George paid the bus fare for him to get there, and for him to buy a little doll for Veronica, and he went to visit Veronica, and well, the story has a very happy ending. Tatiana was always madly in love with Elias, and so they fell madly in love again, and they got married, and that's on their wedding day, and George and I had the amazing privilege of being their best man and matron of honour. They've just had, they've got two little girls, they've just, um, one little girl uh, Tatiana had from another relationship, so they've got Veronica, Esther, and they've just had a little boy as well, so amazing, uh, a life completely transformed, but also George praying and us praying over the years um, for Elias in the prison and seeing that, that those prayers bear fruit, amazing. How else can we show love? We can show love through kindness, yeah? Um, somebody said, uh, love isn't for those who deserve it, it's for those who need it. 
Love isn't for those who deserve it. It's for those who need it. Um, Actually, none of us deserve God's love. We're all sinners, yeah? We all deserve God's wrath, but he has forgiven us, yeah, and shown us great love. And um, he desires that of us, to show that to others. And the boys we work with, they don't deserve love. They don't deserve forgiveness, but we're not the ones to judge. We show them that love, and and God moves in and changes their heart, transforms their lives. Um, One boy in the youth prison, Bruno, we were in a session a few weeks ago, and he said to me, can I ask you a question? So I said, yeah. He said, when I leave here, will you be scared of me? And I said to him, Bruno, I can honestly tell you that by your side, for me, is the safest place in the world. Because I know that you know why I'm here. I'm here because I'm here to help you. And you've received that help and continue receiving that, that help. And I feel completely safe by your side. Of course, Bruno could murder me. That does happen. Happened a few years ago in an organization. Boy that was helped went back and murdered the people who run the organization. I'm not naive and stupid. I know that I'm in a dangerous situation. But I can honestly tell you that I feel that deep down within my heart. And that was my response to him. And his... His response, I will never forget. This huge smile came on his face and he went, yes! As if to say, oh, at last, someone accepted me for who I am. Yeah? That's kindness, isn't it? It's the kindness of God. And I can honestly tell you that really isn't Callie. That is Jesus within me because I, certainly before I became a Christian, I don't think I would have had that response or shown that kindness. But that's Jesus, isn't it? The works in us and through us. Um, I remember when I became a Christian down in Kent, uh, every Sunday at the end of the meeting, the pastor would say, um, could Chris and Fiona stand up? And then two other names, uh, Dave and Barbara. And so they would stand up and they, the pastor would say, these two couples today are having people back to lunch. So if you've got nowhere to go, please make yourself known to them and you can go and have a nice Sunday lunch with them. Well, I was going through a very, very messy marriage breakup and I was in a bad way. And Sunday for me was the worst day of the week because I knew everybody was going home with their families and having their nice Sunday lunches and I would just go back to the place I was staying in by myself and really think more about how to kill myself. And so every Sunday I used to go and meet a different family in the church. Um, You might think, oh, that was a bit, you know, cheeky, wasn't it? But honestly, it saved my life. It really did. And that kindness that people showed. I don't know if I'd be here today if they hadn't done that. So we can show kindness in so many different ways, can't we? Just by a lunch, just by um, something we do to show God's love. Um, I'm going to be obedient. Where's Tim? I'm going to be obedient and finish in a minute, okay? I promised him I wouldn't get my calendar out. I'd look at the clock. Um... Just by finished by saying that we also show love by giving, don't we? And that doesn't necessarily have to be financially. It can be giving of our time, um, giving of the things that we have or whatever, as I said to the children this morning. A lovely story, just quick. Um, when uh, a friend of ours from Milton Keynes came to visit in Sao Paulo and he stayed for two weeks and went back really impacted and he invited some friends round and one of the friends wasn't a Christian 
And so he was talking all about what we'd been doing in, in Brazil. And all of a sudden, he heard the letterbox in his front door go click. It was nighttime. He thought, well, it can't be the postman. So he went to the door. And there on the mat was an envelope. And it just said, for George and Callie. Didn't say who it was from or anything. And he opened it, and there was some money in there for us. And um, he showed this to his friend and said, wow, isn't that great? That's amazing. And the friend that wasn't a Christian was so overwhelmed by that that he gave his life to Jesus that night. Isn't that cool? So when we do things, sometimes we don't realize, do we, the seeds that we're sowing and the fruit that comes. Um, A friend of mine in America, she um, worked in Brazil, went back to America for a time, and she used to send me wool. You know, a few years ago, they had that really pretty bobbly wool, all colored and stuff, and I knit. So I used to make it up into scarves and sell the scarves. And I cannot tell you how many times a scarf rescued me that I literally had no money in my my purse and I was able to sell a scarf and then have money to pay a bill or to buy some food or something. So just little things, isn't it, that each of us can do to show love on a a daily basis. As I said, our motto, um, it's impossible for one person to change the world, but you can change the world for one person, yeah? And we can all do that on a daily basis. Just a smile, just a a way that we help or get alongside someone can really make a difference in their lives. So, three little things. Um, Please keep praying for us. Yeah, we need your prayers. We really, really do. Um, A few years ago, we went to a house group and one of the women who supports us regularly, she said, I feel we need to pray for you regularly. We really do need to pray for you and George and the boys and for the people that you work with, by name. I really feel that. Could you send out a prayer message, like, weekly? And when she said it, I was like, oh my goodness, normally we send them out every three months, you know. Weekly, that's quite a lot, isn't it? And I thought, no, I want to do that. I really want to commit to doing that, because I I really believe it will make a difference. And so every Sunday, sometimes it's in the interval in the football match, you know, I watch the first half and then in the interval, I sit down and write the, the prayer message. Um, I do write our prayer requests for the week. And um, I know that many of you pray. And many people say to me, the first thing they do on Monday morning is open the prayer message. And that's so amazing to know that people are praying for us on a regular basis. Um, so if you'd like to receive that prayer message every week, um, there's a notebook on the table down there. And if you could put your name and write your email address nice and clearly so I can understand it, um, we'll put your name on the list and then from now on you'll be getting that. Um, and also, if you are interested in supporting us as a family or the project, then please um, talk to us or sign up. There are some forms on the table. We would love loads of people to give £10 a month. Yeah, because we've suffered a little bit in the last few months. Some of our big givers who are giving £200 a month had to stop. And when people who give £200 stop, it's like, ah, that's a lot of money. But if someone who gives £10 has to stop, it's not quite such a massive shock. So we just would love as many people to give £10 or £20 and say, I've, I'm part of the Eagle Project. I want to... I wanna, be part of this project and support and pray and be part of George and Callie. If you want to come out and visit us, sorry for the World Cup, we've got a waiting list, but if you want to bring a tent, put it in the garden, you can. But if you want to come out and visit, know more about the project, um, then we'd love to have you as well. But So um, come and visit our little table and come and 
um, give us a hug as well before you go. And thank you, thank you, thank you again for all that you mean to us. God bless you.